You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. For this episode, we'll be talking about The Who, Live at Leeds. In the room, I have Adam, Ben, and John. Yeah. Live at Leeds is the first live album by the English rock band The Who. It was recorded at the University Refractory, University of Leeds, on the 14th of February, 1970, and released on the 23rd of May, 1970. The producer was John Ashley, Kit Lambert, and The Who, and the genre is hard rock. And I'm going to read from the book, Steve Chick. The legendary power and volume of The Who was always best sampled live. The studio tended to deaden their electricity. They recorded some fabulous singles, but no truly perfect albums. Even Tommy suffered from the pretentious production. Live at Leeds, then, is not just possibly the greatest live album of all time, it's also certainly The Who's finest moment. The album caught the band soon after touring Tommy in its entirety, Itching to Cut Loose, a show at Britain's Leeds University on Valentine's Day 1970 was the location. The band surged at full strength with more than two hours playing Tommy, their classic singles, and a clutch of rock and roll gems along the way. Unrestrained on stage, the power trio of musicians behind Roger Daltrey swelled to fearsome strength. Bassist John Entwistle carried the melodies, drummer Keith Moon rolling and filling the, with powerhouse abandoned, and Pete Townshend proving himself a pioneer of feedback and dynamics. His terse solos, full of ideas and emotion, a truly understated guitarist. The resulting album arrived later that year, packaged in a faux bootleg in shabby cardboard gatefold, and has gone on to be something of legend. All right, what do we think of Live at Leeds? It's it's great live rock and roll. Yeah, it's great. I, I wouldn't call it the greatest live album of all time. But I think at the time, I mean, this was kind of, this is not the greatest live the album of, of the time. Right. It's sort of like is the bar now to be set. Although okay. Live at the Apollo was quite good. Yeah. Uh, different genre, obviously. But yeah, I would say that this like hit, it was like a high mark in terms of I will how say, to perform a live I record. uh I think that, I, I yeah, I think that this album in its original format of the six songs I think it's an awesome powerhouse. I think that sharp editing is this album's friend. Because, it, uh, you know, it's it's nice to have those extended versions because now they've they've released not only the entire concert from that night, but they released the entire concert from the night before also. Uh, after. Uh, Hall. Uh, Hall, yeah. Because yeah. they, they were able to fix some technical difficulties that in the, at the time they weren't able to fix. Since then, we now have the technology... Like if you're listening to it on Spotify or anywhere, it's really hard to find this this six song version of it. Mostly, it's it's just a whole album, and although it's great to have that for a document of history, it does not flow like a good album. Mm. Uh, I, I 
because I was trying to approach the that their actual live show as I would approach an album because I didn't realize at first I was listening to the wrong thing, mm-hmm. and just like from the from their opening song, like uh, it's like Heaven and Hell, it's like a John Entwistle compo- composition. From, like, from the get go, I'm like, man, interesting choice to open your concert slash live album with. Like, why why don't you, like open with something that's good with a like, banger? Yeah, with a bang, open with a banger. And then there's a whole bunch of talking in between songs, which when you're in the moment, I'm sure it's nice. And there's some live albums where I really like that, like Live at Folsom Prison. Also, they think this one's better than that one, but that's a different conversation. Buck <laughs> Owens Live in Japan. Also. And, uh, but, J-Pan. And J-Pan. <laughs> I, I, I'm not Robert necessarily Daughter. against onstage banter in a, in a live album format, but Roger Daltrey goes on for too long in yeah, between yeah. songs. It loses momentum. But this album cut down to these six songs released as a single disc instead of like a double. Yes, this is distilled, heavy-duty rock and roll, and it's exactly as long as it needs to be. And like Pete, Pete Townsend's the one that edited it, that paired it down to these six songs, and I think he did a really That's good a bold job choice. That. Six yeah. is short, you know? And I actually... Well, my generation's like 20 minutes long. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. <laughs> the, the version, the medley. But well, like, they've got, yeah, they've got versions like, yeah, they're shaking all over, has a huge jam session in the middle of it. But I do think that it's like just six songs, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I like it, it could have been... It could have been ten, right. and even with the long versions, yeah. and then and maybe then one w- of them's a medley. Yeah, but yeah. it might have been maybe a little much. Yeah, it's thirty-seven minutes. That's total. the right length. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah, I, I, yeah, I think so too. Especially because, like, when you do a live album, you know, you're, you're limited on the production. You know, there's you can't add a bunch of stuff uh, with and keep it a live album. So it's like your ears. I don't know about you guys, but for me, when I listen to live albums, my ears get tired and bored of hearing the same tones because essentially you can't do dynamics right well and you're not like picking a different amp for this song or you know mixing acoustic and electric guitars it's like you're just playing what you're playing and it's it's gonna be one sound you're gonna make that one sound as good as it is but like 37 minutes of it's it wears you down a bit. Yeah. Is, is this I a truly live album? Because you said yeah. that. Oh, absolutely. It okay. Is. Yeah. So it's all, it it's all leads and it's edited in post, but only edited down to the songs. Not, yes. not. It was cut away, not added to. Okay. Because yeah. I thought that maybe one of the songs was like slightly composited or something. They, uh, on the hull, they used technology because Entwistle's bass had cut out and they had a technical difficulty. And so since they've you know, hologrammed him into the the hall oh, live album. There's one part. I and think. there is one part that they had edited. Uh, I think it was Pete's uh, guitar. He was doing some it's sort in, of oh, solo. Oh, it's a magic bus or something? Yeah. 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 It, yeah they edited Like It's like part of it. It's just like they doubled it and reversed it. Yeah. He, made it, in- he made it intentionally like a cut. So you would know it was a cut. I guess I had yeah. read in some places where he, he didn't want it to seem like they were trying to like trick everybody. It was just like, oh, this is completely different than There's I a usually technical play. Difficulty. Here's yeah. a second of reverse yeah. uh, music. Okay. But they weren't adding things to it to like make the crowd sound bigger or clean up the harmonies or anything like that. Like yeah, this the cr- is the raw recording. The crowd sounds, you know, very, very into it. Like a lot of clapping, a lot yeah. of singing along. Yeah. And, I also uh, think it's cool, especially coming hot off the heels of Tommy to be like, Okay, but remember, we are a rock band. Yeah, they were getting a lot of flack for everyone had just somehow like one album of, you know, doing this uh, opera experimental kind of thing. Everyone was just like, oh, you're not the Who anymore, huh? They had 
totally forgotten how they just smashed guitars and like caused riots and like were yeah. the most you know crazy band live and so yeah this is this is definitely getting back to that that roots yeah. the, back to saying guess what we still got it like yeah. we're not going in this we're not going too far off the deep end here that was something we wanted to try and we're we're still the who I also thought I didn't realize chronologically where Live at Leeds lands in their career. But yeah, it, it bridges the gap between Rock Opera Tommy in 1969 and then Who's Next in 71, which is classic 70s Who. You know, and like 60s Who and 70s Who are two different beasts. Yeah. And like, I love 60s Who. Who's Next might be my favorite Who album. Like, I love some yeah. 70s Who. And just to have this just like raw and gritty live rock and roll album kind of bridging that gap from rock opera who to classic rock 70s who yeah is, is a nice a lot of people said that this was a uh what would you say sort of the hold the fans over until they could get a new uh album out because Maybe. they were touring all the time they had just done tommy and it was like we can't just go straight ahead record we need something that at least will appease you know keep us relevant make sure people still are, are yeah that we're that we're here and we're we're doing stuff There's no actual songs from Tommy on Live at Leeds, but they do quote phrases from Tommy during the My Generation medley. Yeah. And when they go into a Tommy part, like whether it's like see me, hear, feel me, touch me, pat my head, yeah. uh, or it, it's you, you see like how heavy those parts can be, even though like in like the Tommy format, it was more Baroque and more like an opera, but those same parts played by The Who live are like heavy as boulders. Yeah, like sparks and yeah. some of those others. Yes, if, if yeah. you oh, listen yeah. to like, dun, dun, yeah. Dun, 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 yeah, dun, if you're dun. listening to it live, it's yeah. that's kind of why I wanted to read that review because it was saying it was a little, you know, the the production of the album is like very restrained in in a way where it doesn't just let Keith Moon go yeah. crazy and hey, there's a French horn on the album for and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> I I grew up uh listening to the Who a lot and uh I had never heard Tommy somehow, and then I remember uh, I borrowed it from a friend's dad, mm-hmm. and I listened. I was like, "What?" And I like <laughs> I wasn't into it. And, like, and it was I, you know, I'm like 14 or 15 or something at this time. And I remember being like, "This is kind of lame." And you know, there, there's like stuff on there that's solid, but uh, it is really different. You know, it's a really different animal, and it was interesting to hear, like you said, the moments in the medley where it's like, "Oh, okay." Just played a little more aggressively. It makes more sense to me, but but I also get like from a creative standpoint how they were trying to do something unique, you know, mm-hmm. not just their same sound. How do you how do you feel about the a majority of it kind of being covers, or I guess it's split, right? It's half and half, half covers and half 
who. Yeah, yeah. It's three and three. How did you feel about that? Because that was the only thing that, while I love those songs, um, maybe not Summertime Blues, not really my jam, but I just felt like a little weird about being, you know, those, those well, it's not, were it's the not a studio cut. album. And at yeah. this point of the career, all three of those songs were staples of their live show. Sure. And they yeah. were known for being the best live band in the world in 1970. Like yeah. that was like, they were wearing that crown. And so who live at Leeds is like, here's some samples from our show. If you can't make it and they include them. And I think they shred. Yeah. You know? I, no, I'm not saying they're, they're bad songs. I'm just saying three, out, got, three out of six is a lot. I feel like I would. But one I, of the other three is twenty minutes long and includes multiple songs. <laughs> Actually, it's fourteen forty-five yeah. for my generation. Yeah, All right. looking at it, just kind of curious. Uh, but the, I feel like they could have just replaced "Summertime Blues" um, or even "Shaken All Over" with another Who song, and I would have been. I agree. You know, they they shred on their Who songs. But so. then we wouldn't have a recording of Who doing "Summertime Blues," which is one of the classic covers of all times. Yeah, I, I just felt a little. It's a, it's a little strange to have those when I think that the Who have equally, they got if not more, you know, be, like better songs that they are just originals that they do. Uh, like a quick one while she, she's away. However, that song is so long that I can understand why they yeah, could like eight minutes. fit that in because they would have had two of the, they would have had to cut two of the other songs. Yeah, well, it, it may be you know the you know if you've just come off the if you're you know a rock and roll Who fan and you come off Tommy. Maybe this is, you know, by having a few covers, they're like, okay, here are some you know, power blues, like rock, you know, classics. That brings me right back in. Okay, now I, think I that remember might who be again. It. Like, it might just yeah. be like a, a softening. I, I but, think you're right. But yeah, three out of six is a lot. But if you're saying, okay, what can we do to, to bring our fans back? Maybe maybe we bring them back with some some classics. Yeah. And, you know, the, the song choices were also partially, one of the factors was technical difficulties. I was uh, about to, that's true. Yeah. I was going to ask, yeah. like, I wonder why, like, I uh, I can't explain or like tattoo uh, weren't on this, yeah. and it might it might just be that the performance wasn't as good for those songs yeah. or the like you're saying the technical difficulties. And I've got a I've got a theory that all stems back to those technical difficulties making the Who Live at Leeds the album that Live at Leeds is. I think it was a, either a bass cable or a guitar cable is crackling through the whole show. Some songs it's more noticeable than other songs. So they use the songs where it's least noticeable. And now we have the technology to correct it. At the time, they didn't. But my theory is, is that these technical difficulties and and uh, this like uh, flaws in the recording, if they were attempting to record like the great Who official live album, and then they record those two shows, and they're like, okay, well, we can only use some of these songs, and the ones we can use... There's recording problems on it. My theory is someone in that room was like, let's make it look like a bootleg. Yeah. You know? Yeah. True. And so like, I've got I've got a very well-loved... That's the art, yeah. I've got a very well-loved copy of it here. Yeah, the cardboard sleeve, it just looks like it was stamped. And then the actual disc, the label looks handwritten. And uh, like, like you would just like write on like a blank tape. And yeah. there's a note on it that says... Crackling noises, okay. Do not correct, as of like a note for like future engineers not trying to mix them out yeah. because it's a crackling in the cable. In the reissues, the label says uh, it says like some like crackling noises have been corrected, like in that oh, same like handwriting. That's funny. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> my yeah, my theory is they weren't they weren't like the bootleg looking gimmick and packaging stemmed from the recording difficulties. Yeah. And I bet the reduced track listing did too. I bet it really mm -hmm. just came down and they, they probably got 
an accidentally concise album, mm-hmm. which very well may have contributed to the success of right. it. I mean, sometimes I I think it's one of those things where sometimes the best ideas come out of failure and necessity, where it's like, you know, I mean, 37 minutes is the right length yeah. for this album. And I think it's just kind of funny how, yeah, I wonder, I wonder if they had the idea later for the packaging. I didn't realize until I was reading up on this that originally it came with like, so the gatefold opens up and it looks like a, a folder. It's got a pocket on either side, kind of like just like a school folder. And you put the disc in one side. Then apparently the other side came with basically like like a, not quite a press kit, but more like it looked like stuff, like a merch that you would get in the show. Like uh, there's uh, like, a po- like an old poster uh, from like early Who. There's some stuff that looked like handwritten notes and stuff like that. Just like a little package of, memorabilia relics from the who nice. yeah there was uh i had written down here uh handwritten lyrics to listen to you uh chorus the chorus from tommy typewritten lyrics my generation uh handwritten notes a receipt for smoke bombs <laughs> uh, rejection letter from emi uh and someone also said there was like another like uh thing about uh, a court filing made against uh pete townshed for him like taking Gibson SGs from, like, uh, music stores. Uh, so there are, like, all sorts of little posters and goodies or whatever. Yeah, that, That's really cool. If it really is that they, like, this came, this stemmed from them just kind of trying to roll with the punches, they did it so well. Yeah. Like, they, 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 they took a turkey and, like, a potential turkey, and they, they just, I think the whole, the packaging, the gimmick of it, and just, like, the rawness of the recording is so cool. Yeah. They did say that the second night was probably a little bit better. <laughs> like they is. were performing better mm-hmm. and I think Town Shed, I can't I think it was him that said, Yeah, I may had a may have had a drink or two the first night. The second night was definitely uh, the, uh better. The reviews that I've read of people that have the extended deluxe ones with both shows, they say the second show's a little bit sharper, a little bit cleaner, they're like a little bit more on. But the general opinion is Okay, so now we've got two great Who shows. Yeah. You're not like, I'm just going to listen to this one now and not the first night anymore. Just like, they're both good. The second one's a little bit more on point. Now we have two. Yeah, not much else to say about this album other than... Sounds great. It's the Who. It sounds awesome. (laughs) Rock and roll. What are you going to do? Yeah, it definitely... uh, When they come in with the... There is something to be said about the live versus a studio Who. Uh, Even though I think that they do pretty good job recording their you know mixing everything correctly when it's in the studio tommy was kind of the exception where i felt like it it was a little flat it was a little thin yeah or or somehow they sort of uh they were they were too precise with it somehow and that having some looseness within recording it, it seems to be in their favor so i'm totally on the positive i mean 
it's one of the great live albums. I, yeah, when I listened to it early on, it, it kind of blew my mind of just, yeah, this is how you perform live. I mean, I was in high school and I, I was like, makes sense now. I had, you know, it was before I had even gone to a concert and I like, this made me understand how concerts work with stretching out songs, blending songs into other songs in that sort of template for just rocking out to, yeah. you know, within the audience uh, having them thinking, there. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a good way of putting it is the idea that it's this like almost like a intro class to live to live music. You can see how it's different if you're a fan and just what you're going to get that's not on the album. Uh, the, the other thing that I noticed upon this listen, because I hadn't listened to this probably since high school, uh, when I was middle school, high school was my who phase. Um, I, I don't think I understood like the drums as an instrument back then. And like Keith Moon, uh, there's a lot of fills, you guys. <laughs> he plays lead drums. Lead drums, yeah. And I th- and I was like, damn, these drums. I mean, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. But I don't think I like. I knew he was a good drummer when I was a kid. I don't think I understood like just like how much um, extra he's doing. And often that can sound stupid. I like it. I like it in this. Yeah. It's when, like, when Keith Moon does it, it's, when it doesn't does it, sound stupid. It sounds when, awesome. They mix it. I, I have more difficulties with drummers that are inspired by Keith Moon yeah. than I, I have completely with Keith Moon. <laughs> but I also like how um, on this album, just a small production comment, um, uh, the drums are are really beefy, like especially the toms. Like the, the rack toms sound like floor toms. Like And there's no like ring to them. It's all like... It's it's like a bunch of kick drums. It's like <laughs> it's, we're getting into those big '70s classic rock drums. It sounds cool, and yeah. we haven't heard that sound of drums that are being hit really hard, really fast, and have like big chunky sounds. We got Bonham though. Oh, that's true. That's yeah. true. But like, we're just getting into that. Yeah. I guess is what yeah. I mean. Yeah. But uh, it's it just sounds awesome. It's so and easy. It's mixed loud. Yes. <laughs> it's so easy to forget that although there are four members of the Who, they're they're a power trio. Like yeah. Roger Daltrey, he plays harmonica sometimes, not here. You know, this is him singing from just a three-piece band, and they sound so Oh, my big. God. I had not thought about that. Yeah. I just, wow. Yeah, they sound huge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, hats off, man. Yeah. What does everybody think? Uh, it, it, yeah. yeah. Do we even do <laughs> Yeah. Hell yeah. Awesome record. Go listen yeah. to The Who. Yeah, listen to this album. For sure. Uh, yeah, well, I'm gonna love talking about or listening to uh, Who's Next. I, I mean, love uh, Who's Next, yeah. man. Nice. So, I'm be, assuming it'll be coming right up. Yep, 71. Yeah. So, maybe not right up, but soon. We're definitely not gonna miss it. Yeah, no. <laughs> All right, uh, next time we will be talking about Soft Machine, third. <laughs> All right, thanks, y'all. <laughs>